Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for listening to the Turn on the Jets podcast this week. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. This week, you're going to hear Joe Caparoso talk to Connor Rogers of Stick to Football and his own podcast here on TOJ Digital, Stick to the Jets. But before we get to it, I just want to remind you quickly about the other great shows that we have at Turn on the Jets Digital, including my podcast, Play Like a Jet. As we look back each week at all the biggest moments in New York Jets history, right now we're in the process of going through a series with Albert Breer of SI and MMQB. He wrote a fantastic article on the road to Sam Darnold. If you've missed any of the previous parts, go ahead and check them out. Now there'll be a brand new episode on Friday. Michael Nanny has got a brand new sneak preview edition of his upcoming Know Your Foe podcast, which will take an in-depth look at the Jets' opponents each week in 2018. This week, he takes a look at five key individual player matchups for the 2018 season. It's only a quick eight minutes, so you can listen to it while you're walking to take out the trash. Trust me, you won't be disappointed, and you won't be disappointed either by the debut of What's Your Point, our weekly Jets debate show it launched this week. It's sort of like PTI, but edgier and only involving Jets topics. If you haven't listened to the debut of What's Your Point yet, go ahead and do that, and make sure you check out Film Room with Joe Blewett. I sat in with him this week, and we did an episode on the Jets' top 25 players heading into training camp. It's available right now in audio form or at our YouTube channel, which I highly recommend because you really want to watch Joe breaking down film. He does it like nobody else can when it comes to the New York Jets. Don't forget this podcast is brought to you by Razor Sport. Gambling's legal now, but you want to know how to win like the pros. There's a reason why the house always wins. That's because they have access to all these fancy algorithms and formulas that the average person doesn't have access to. Well, Razor Sport does. So they can help you win the way the pros win. Anybody can gamble, but not just anybody can win consistently. If you want to do that, make sure you join Razor Sport Club today. That's R-A-Z-E-R sport.com. Thanks again for listening to Turn on the Jets Digital. Now let's go listen to the flagship show with Joe Caparoso and Connor Rogers. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft. The New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso. This week, we are going to be joined by Connor Rogers, and we are going to tell you everything you need to know about 2018 New York Jets training camp. 
The good news is, is that Scott Mason took care of all the PSA work at the top, so you don't have to listen to me carry on about all that before I jump into my interview with Connor. He's on right now. Connor, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Good, Joe. It's finally go time, man. I am ready for uh, actual training camp stats and tweets to get started, so it's oh, time to yes. have some fun. Seven-on-seven <laughs> stats. Sam Darnold is three for six for 18 yards and seven-on-sevens. What does this mean? Was this a bad pick? <laughs> Oh God! It's well, he's the, got to sign first. So. That's true. Which will get. True. It's going to get done. I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, it's been done. Fingers crossed. I'm banking either tonight. We're recording this Wednesday, so either tonight or Thursday morning. I'm not panicking yet. I'll panic if it's Friday night and it's not done yet. Not panic time yet. I'm not going there. Um, one thing we do want to do, and this will be part of our normal intro going forward, but. Both Connor and I are very excited to announce that we will be partnering with Willie McBrides in Hoboken for the next few months as the newest partner of Turn on the Jets and the newest partner of this podcast and the Stick to Jets podcast. And as part of that, on August 24th, we are going to be doing a little TOJ watch party and live podcast at the bar for the Jets-Giants preseason game. Connor and myself will be there drinking, talking about the Jets, recording ourselves talking about the Jets, hopefully hanging out with a bunch of you and some of our other friends uh, of the website. So 6th and Grand in Hoboken, we're going to be promoting them uh, across our social media platforms, across our site, uh, across our podcast about their different drink specials and different events they have going on. And then on August 24th for Jets Giants, we'll be there for the you know watch party and a podcast. And we're also going to do it on September 30th for Jets Jaguars. So if you want to see us in person, and talk about the Jets in person, and watch us drink in person, come hang. We're, we're looking and forward to it. And yell about the Jets. <laughs> and yell about the Jets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Connor, you're a seasoned veteran of uh, Hoboken. You've been living there for a few years. I just moved in four months, and I knew, I knew we had to find a bar right away. But, you know, I, I, think, I think we did good for ourselves here. I, I think so, too. It's going to be a blast. It's finally a spot that we can do these game watching meetups essentially you know we got two in the books like joe said and the first one being the giants preseason game and it's going to be a blast to hang out with you guys i think we're gonna have a great turnout willie's is an awesome venue because they have so much space obviously plenty of food so i'm really looking forward to it because we don't get to you know really meet the listeners very often and and watch the jets games with them so it's going to be a blast amen Amen. We're looking forward to it. We'll be pumping uh, out plenty of promotion for this across all of our social platforms, so look out for that. All right, training camp really starts on Friday. Practices will kick off. I think without question, the the top storyline and what everyone will be following most closely this year is the quarterback position. Namely, how are the reps going to be divided up? How real of a chance does Sam Darnold have to start week one? And how does he look in Jeremy Bates' offense? I, as it stands today... I'm of the mindset that Darnold is the favorite, a slight favorite, to start week one. I did a little informal Twitter poll today, which got a couple thousand votes, with Darnold got about 60% of the vote, with about 20% from McCown and Bridgewater on what fans are expecting. I would say, barring a prolonged holdout or a really surprisingly ugly summer, I tentatively expect Sam Darnold to be starting week one. Is that misguided, Connor? I don't think so, because I think it's as simple as this, Joe. I think when you look at Darnold, this is a staff that's going to give him the chance to win this job, and really all he has to do is show that he belongs. He can't look completely out of place, and we know he's smart enough to pick up the playbook. All Jeremy Bates raved about that, and physically, we know physically he has it. So when the pads come on and everything is full speed, if Darnold shows that he belongs, I think he's the front runner. I think when you look at this, 
Josh McCown played pretty well last year, but I don't know how thrilled the Jets are to, you know, starting a 39-year-old quarterback, I guess maybe for the first couple games of the season to buy Darnold some more time, but I don't even think that's necessary. I, I know prospects of quarters are needs a little more time before he gets comfortable, but, you know, Teddy's obviously a great player to have on this roster with Darnold, but at the end of the day, he's the favorite because I am of belief, and what I've heard is that they really want him to go win this job out of the gate. We look with Darnold and then over to Bridgewater. I think I want to make sure I clear up a misconception. I like Bridgewater a lot, and I'm rooting for him to come back. I just don't think that he is the long-term answer in any way for this team. He's on a one-year deal. He only has 500000 guaranteed to him if he's not in the roster week one. I still think the Jets uh, want to find a way to trade him. I, I, do get, I do notice pushback whenever you just say, well, what about Bridgewater? The Jets should start Bridgewater. Why are you forgetting about Bridgewater? Look, I think Bridgewater has a chance to prove he's healthy. Everything we heard about him in the spring was good. But again, this is a guy who has not played really full-speed football since 2015, and that's a long time uh, to assume he's just going to be the player he was in 2015, which was one of the top, I don't know, 10 to 12 starters in the NFL at the time. Uh, so again, I would still say Bridgewater, I think the Jets are going to want to show plenty of him in the preseason, but if it's close to Darnold, they're still going to try to find a way to trade him before week one. And who that ends up being to, of course, is an open-ended question, but where does Bridgewater fit into all of this, Connor? I think he's literally an asset that you hope that you can trade if he flashes in the preseason. That's the best. When you look at the Bridgewater situation, there's really three at hand for me personally, maybe four. Is that the worst case scenario is Teddy just can't get back from this knee injury and doesn't make the roster, which I don't even think is in play right now. I think he's ready to go. I think the second one being that he has a pretty solid preseason. The Jets don't get any offers, and he's the true number two quarterback of this team. We've seen a lot of number two quarterbacks play over the years, Joe, where it's very possible that we do see him at some point of the year. They ride it out, and he hits free agency again next year. The third one being is that he stars in the preseason. An injury happens or another Jameis Winston problem, example, where a quarterback, I don't know, suspensions with quarterbacks is a little bit rare, but some kind of injury, some kind of setback, where a team needs another answer and the Jets for a third or a conditional second turn the two they lost for the trade they made to go up to get Darnold. So those are the scenarios with Bridgewater. I think it would look like a real savvy move for this front office. One that they didn't have a ton. They're over, you know, taking things over and they've looked better over the last two. This would be a real savvy move to take such a low cost risk on Bridgewater and flipping that for a pretty nice draft asset. But once again, that's the case scenario in all of this. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. Uh, of course, quarterback and offense is probably going to be the top headline in most practices this year. But defensively, I think you know there is an assumption that this defense has a chance to be at least middle of the pack after the addition of Tremaine Johnson and, to a lesser extent, Avery Williamson. We know on the back end there's a lot of potential for this unit. If Morris Claiborne stays healthy, if Jamal Adams takes the next step forward, if Buster Screen can be okay, or if Parry Nickerson steps up and takes that role from him. But the front seven still has a ton of question marks and is probably, I think, the main weak spot on this team overall. Lack of a proven pass rush lack of a proven starter opposite of Leonard Williams, and even at linebacker, you have a lot of questions. I think most people are 
assuming because of his athleticism and where he was taken, that Darren Lee is going to take this jump and become one of the better young linebackers in football. But we haven't really seen anything yet that indicates that's going to happen. And an outside linebacker, you have Jordan Jenkins, who is a good, I would say, complementary player to ideally another top-tier pass rusher, someone who's got a lot of hustle, but you know, from an athletic standpoint, he's not going to take any games over. How do you see the reps at linebacker shaking out? And do you think... Hype for Lee is a little over, I don't know, warranted at this point. I could almost see a scenario where it's just as likely that Lee takes a big step forward. Also, less, just as likely he loses playing time to Kevin Minter and Kevin Pierre-Lewis at some point during the season. Yeah, I, that's a great point. What you just said is skeptical on the Lee hype. I do think he could be a solid starter in this defense when he's can clean up front. God. I think this will be a good run-stuffing group up front defensively, but they got no juice to get after the quarterback, which is a huge problem. But back to Lee, who probably has the most question marks around him in terms of stopping the run. I think Avery Williamson is going to be a very, very rock-solid starter next to him, which does help things a little bit. But so was Demario Davis last year, and Lee still has his ups and downs. I think the great point that you made is there's guys behind him that can push to play with Kevin who started with Pierre Lewis, who is perfect as a nickel backer because of which when you take Lee, you wanted him to be a three-down backer because of his speed and athleticism. And, and I don't know if we've seen him actually excel in coverage yet. If he has, I, I haven't seen it yet. I think he actually struggled there more than I expected coming out of Ohio State. So I'm skeptical on Darren Lee. I want him to be good. I liked the player coming out of Ohio State. You can make the argument that area for an Eden Todd Bowles defense, you really want to see him make the jumps in year three. He has talent around him, and he has to show, hey, I'm not the weak link. I'm actually a solution in this front seven. But I'm just being cautious with all of that. Looking on the back end at the secondary, we know Jamal Adams, Marcus May are going to be the starting safeties. We know Tremaine Johnson and Morris Claiborne are going to be the outside cornerbacks. How else do we see the rest of the reps shaking out? How big of a role does a guy like Terrence Brooks play maybe in three safety looks or even J.J. Wilcox? How does nickel play out? How does that fourth corner role play out? Because the Jets aren't going to be shy, I think, about loading the field with defensive backs. So really, whoever the fourth corner on the depth chart ends up being is actually a pretty important spot, particularly with Morris Claiborne's injury history and even with Buster Screen having some issues with injuries over the past few years. So how do the rest of the roles shake out in the secondary besides those top four guys? Well, I think Rontez Miles' injury actually opens the door for a guy like Doug Middleton, who, when healthy, has really, really flashed in camp. And I, and I think the Jets really like Doug Middleton. So I, I know Terrence Brooks is, is a rock-solid third safety. He's going to hold that role. There's no reason to see him losing it because he played very well last year. But I do think the fourth spot, I think Doug Middleton can come for that spot and be a nice player on special teams and in some when need be. When you look at the fourth corner spot now, this is a much more important area because – Strange Johnson's your number one corner. When healthy, Mo Claiborne is a very, very good number two. The problem is, he just can't always stay on the. You said Buster's. If I know the staff like I think I do, uh, if Mo Claiborne does get hurt, I can see a scenario where they do end up kicking Buster's screen back to the outside and letting Perry Nickerson play on the inside. Now, Justin Burris has his ups and downs over the years. Daryl Roberts is a guy that, you know, obviously can play at times. 
I think Richard Robinson has been dud of a trade, and now he's suspended for four games. So the pipe dream of any team in there to succeed and be a key back end of the depth chart is slowly slipping away. Perry Nickerson is is a weird player because he's small and you project into the slot, but he's probably the most talented out of all these guys on the back of the depth chart, which is why I do see a scenario where on the field a lot earlier this year. CR, give a quick adjustment to the uh, headphone jack. You're coming in and out a little bit uh, on the uh, next question. So looking forward elsewhere around the uh, defense who, how do we see the defensive line rotation playing out? So we know we got Leonard Williams. You know, you got Steve McClendon as the two-down nose tackle. Henry Anderson acquired by the, uh, from a, in a trade with the Colts. Nathan Shepard, third-round draft pick. Also have guys like Xavier Cooper and Mike Pinnell kicking around. How many defensive linemen do they carry? And what does the breakdown of playing time look like? I think the guy on here is six. I think when it comes down, that you, you really expect to play a ton of snaps, which is and they don't have to because they have so many pieces. But Leonard Williams is the most talented player of this bunch by a pretty good stretch. He's going to see a ton of time on the field. Pinnell, guy that's going to play nose tackle in the base defense. I think he's a first and second down kind of run stopper. I think Steve McClellan obviously going to get his fair share of reps. Henry Anderson is the other guy out of these four, we can say veterans now, that are play a lot of the reps. They would like Nathan Shepard to get killed. He, he belongs right away. Now, for an older rookie, you would like that to be in the first couple of weeks of August here and get him rotated in. I think the number with the defensive line, though, to keep an eye on here is six. I think it's the two guys they drafted. I think Nathan Shepard and another true nose tackle. He could play shade nose. He could probably play three tech in a pinch, but you'd really like him on the all the way on the interior. Those two guys they drafted in rounds three and rounds they're going to, and then the veterans up front are obviously Leonard and Pinnell and Henry Anderson. Henry Anderson is is under the radar. One of my favorite players actually on this roster in terms of just doing his job, being a shutdown run defender. High mo, we laugh when we say that for the classic white defensive line. It's pressure. He his motor runs hot, and he's not completely ineffective there either. So those are the six that make the roster rotate like crazy this year. Hopping back over to the offensive side of the football, let's look at this group of wide receivers. Uh, we know who the first four are going to be for the most part. First five, I would even say at this point. Robbie Anderson, who we're still waiting word on for a suspension, and I, I'm not anticipating him getting anything. If he does, maybe it's one game, maybe worst-case scenario, two games. Fingers crossed there. Uh, Quincy Inouye, Jermaine Curse, Terrell Pryor, Chad Hansen has really seemed to distinguish himself in the spring and kind of raise himself out of the rest of that group. Once you get past those five, is it worth carrying six and seven receivers? Do they maybe only carry five and instead carry an extra running back at a fairly crowded position where they have Thomas Rawls, they have Trenton Cannon, they have McGuire? Uh, how does that shake out from a skill position perspective, but more specifically with that wide receiver group after the top five? Well, I'll say this. Our Darius Stewart just keeps making it easier. That would tend to be the hang-up of this, is that when you look at the receivers – it's kind of easy to pencil in the guys at the top. I mean, Robbie Anderson is looks like a star to me. And I, I know I throw that term loosely, especially with New York Jets players that have one good season. And I know he's got his off-field headaches. But on the field, the guy is a star and has a game out than people really realize. 
Quincy Anoon was back. Let's pray he stays healthy and lock him in as the number two wide receiver. Jermaine Curry, another unrated option at number three. Chad Hansen is here. I really like him as this team's fourth receiver, along with Terrell Pryor, who's right in the mix, and that's probably your five that you lock in. Stewart's going to have to have a camp to hold down that sixth spot. You never really cut ties with a draft pick like that. He's just struggled, and he needs to take in this playbook, and he needs to stay you know, on the field, more importantly. The suspension was for him. So it's going to be a tough shake for him. Now, back to what you said. What do they do about the returner spot? I mean, I know you know that you feel like Roberts is being overlooked, and I agree with you because it's like he's not the flashiest young guy of the crop, but he's active, productive and reliable option. Cannon, they drafted Strongly, do they feel about keeping him? The guy can absolutely fly. He really have a position. He doesn't come back in college, but he's not going to play a ton of running back at the next level besides some, you know, fixed pass. And he's not a wide He's just a, he's got to be a really, really good one to make a roster spot out of that. And uh, I know the staff is actually, you know, this is a impressive in the short time seeing Thomas Rawls. I think he's going to have a great season. Can he stay healthy, and is he worth keeping? Because they have money tied to Crowell, not a ton, but enough that he's a guy below. McGuire was very solid as a backup third down back in that role. It's a shame he can't return. You know, it's really justify him being the guy. So I think Rawls is going to be a really good run at making a case to make the wrong, make things tough on the Jets. And I think that's where it can tip from, hey, we got six receivers locked in, maybe if you count Roberts as a returner. Stewart might have just lost his job, and they might actually end up keeping running back. How often a player like Bilal Powell teams up? Yeah, I just feel like with Roberts, it's like one of those things. Like, yes, it's easy to not be excited about a thirty-year-old journeyman receiver, but the reality is he's been a good returner the last few years. He's got three return touchdowns over the past two or three seasons, which is certainly more than this entire organization has. And I just. After watching guys like JoJo Natson and Khalif Raymond and Jeremy Curley muffing putts, punts in the rain against Carolina to lose that game for them or Atlanta, whichever game it was, uh, I just I would hate to see them continue to be so mediocre on special teams. So again, maybe a guy like Cannon or Lucky Whitehead or somebody else, you know, has a huge summer and knocks Roberts off the roster. But I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, if he does stick and he handles punts and kicks, he's a guy who's done that for a while in the NFL. And there's not a ton of guys who could do both jobs with a high amount of consistency. And I don't think he's going to be an all-pro returner, but I think he could be a competent returner, which would be a big step up uh, based on what we've seen recently for the Jets. All right, before we go, what are your thoughts on a few under-the-radar players to watch? A lot of us have been uh, taking part in this tweet thread, which I first saw, I think, from Dennis uh, Wazak. Uh, but who are, who are some yep. dark horse or under-the-radar players that you think fans should watch out for? I mean, I really like I thought he was an early, early third-round player when I did the eval on him. He went in the fourth round to the Jets, and I just think he's a complete... T- End. I think he blocks. I think he runs really well, and he can actually do a little bit after the catch. So for a team where we're always sitting here and going, God, at a tight end, which, I mean, in my opinion, I'm, I don't really care that much about the position, but I think Herndon's a guy that's going to really do a nice job in camp. I talked about Perry Nickerson. I really like the player, and, you know, just off the rookies, Doug Middleton is back. I, you know, once again, a guy that can play special teams. So he'll have some Rontez Miles in his game. 
and he's an absolute playmaker. It, this is going to be the Chad Hansen hype. And it's going to be hard for him to get on the field unless someone gets hurt. So you kind of hope that doesn't happen. But those are the guys where I'm going into camp and saying, these are the guys that, you know, some being rookies that can prove themselves, some being year two players that can really make a jump that the excitement is warranted. And then I also think Henry Anderson is a player that completely forgotten about. And the Jets, that seventh round, you know, seventh rounder for Anderson might end up being one of the low-key, better-under-the-radar moves that we've seen from McCagnan in quite some time. All right, we're going to wrap it up now. We will be back next week to talk about the first week of training camp. Uh, make sure to give Connor a follow on Twitter, at Connor J. Rogers. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter, at Jay Caparoso. Make sure to come hang and talk with us on August 24th at Willie McBride's, and we'll be uh, continuing to promote that and other different things they have going on there. So looking forward to hanging, Hoboken, and we're excited that football is back here. So uh, stick with us at turnonthejets.com. Stick with us on Twitter. Stick with us in all those places. Connor, any final words? Uh, the Jets should trade everything for Khalil Mack. That's my <laughs> final word. Give him the GDP of a small country. That's what you have all this cap space I for. Would, next year's first. Next year, whatever you got left, give him $100 million guaranteed. Get it done. Khalil Mack, Sam Darnold co-Hall of Fame inductions along with Kevin Knox from the Knicks all coming in the next 20 years with many (laughs) championships. So we look forward to all that and more, which we'll start talking about next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening.